0: Welcome back to the Autism Annex podcast. I'm your host, John Andrew Slominski. On today's episode, we talk travel, what challenges travel can pose for neurodiverse people, the benefits of being a citizen of the world, and strategies for parents and caregivers to help make traveling on the spectrum possible and enjoyable. Stay with us. My guest is Don M. Barkley, Author of the new book, Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse, published by Rowan and Littlefield. Traveling Different includes hundreds of interviews with experts in neurodiversity and travel, alongside rich personal accounts from family members of people on and off the autism spectrum. One of my favorite anecdotes comes from midway through the book, where we meet a 10-year-old from London named Romeo. Romeo is autistic and has effectively memorized the sounds, models, and routes of virtually every train in the United Kingdom. Romeo's mother, Dore, explains, quote, From station dispatchers, train guards, drivers, railway signalers, and engineers, I think overall what it means for Romeo is that he belongs, and wherever he goes, he knows that his thirst for railway knowledge and experience is not for nothing, that one day there will be a world of options available to him, and he will be surrounded by such a like minded community.
1: Don Barkley, welcome to the podcast.
0: Tell us a bit about yourself and your book, if you would.
1: So, my name is John M. Barkley. I am the author of Traveling Different Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. I come from a background of travel dating back to pretty much birth, but I have been writing for travel magazines on and off for 34 years, and I have worked in many aspects of the travel industry. I'm an award-winning author who writes both fiction and nonfiction. This is my first nonfiction book, but it it follows up um, on my column at uh, Insider Travel Report for travel for children um, with special needs.
0: As you know, there are relatively few resources on the market for traveling on the spectrum, so to speak. So how did the idea for your book come about?
1: Well, when I needed this book <laughs> back in the early two thousands, it didn't exist. And so I, I went started to research it because I'd been a travel writer for many, many years, and it seemed like this would be not that difficult a book to research and write. So I interviewed people like Dr. Tony Atwood, who's very large in autism circles, as I'm sure you know, and Dr. Ellen Littman, who's very large in ADHD circles. And uh, they were great, but then I kind of hit a wall because I didn't know where else to go to interview. It's not like doctors were gonna sort of say, hey, talk to my clients. There's a lot of confidentiality there that I did not know how to break through that wall. So I put it aside, I turned to fiction, And it wasn't until I found that IBCCES, um, which is the International Board for Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards, uh, had created a designation called the Certified Autism Travel Professional that I knew how to write the book because I figured I could interview those wonderful people who have dedicated uh, their lives to learning about how to handle this population. And many of them are special needs parents themselves. Um, so, and they introduced me to their clients, um, who were willing to speak to me, who are also special needs parents. So it became a much easier book to write a lot more information on the internet in 2019 than there was back in the early two thousands. And I had two years with nothing to do. So thanks to a little pandemic, I was able to get the book written.
0: I suppose that's one of the very few side benefits of a pandemic. Don, as you were researching the book, What did you learn about how families with members on the spectrum think of travel? Is it something that for some people just seems not in the realm of possibility?
1: Well, it wasn't necessarily in the interviews I held because I was already speaking to people who were traveling. So they had gotten over that. But what IBCCES had done a survey in 2018 of a thousand special needs families, um, and of those... Um, 87% said they wouldn't travel pretty much because um, people wouldn't know where to go or what, you know, people didn't know how to handle what they needed um, and they didn't know where to go. And they also didn't want to have people thinking bad things about their parenting skills if their child had a meltdown or um, of the child thinking that they're a brat as, as opposed to just having a sensory meltdown. So... Um, Of that 87%, though, 93% said they would travel if people knew how to work with them and provide what they needed. Now, I should say that that study was updated in 2022. And uh, the good news is that that 87% figure went down to 78%. So there's 9% more people who are more willing to travel um, and when I asked uh, the people at IBCCES what they attributed to, they said the various designations and certifications that are showing people in the community that there are alternatives and there are people willing to work with them and help them with their vacations.
0: You've mentioned some really interesting resources, including the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards, which created the designation of Certified Autism Travel Professionals, and also the Certified Autism Center Designation for Travel Vendors. I hope I'm getting all of those right. It's a, it's a mouthful. Um, and this is all really interesting and new to me. And I learned in reading your book that there's a difference between vendors who are autism friendly and those that are autism certified. Could you unpack some of this for listeners?
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a big difference um, because when you see something that's a certified autism center, that just means that they've been, I've gone through the training of IBCCES and they've earned that designation. So there's a standard level there of, of, of what they've learned and uh, of what they've achieved. Now, when you see autism friendly, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. In the best case scenario, those people have been trained by places like Can which is the Champion Autism Network, or Culture City, or Sensory City, so they would have their own standard, and they would have, those places that have been autism-friendly would have achieved it if they'd gotten their designation through those places, but honestly, anybody can just say, we're autism-friendly, and so it's really up to the individual traveler to contact that location and say, I see you're autism-friendly. What exactly does that mean? Where did you get your training? Uh, What do you offer? Make sure that what they offer is offered when you're traveling there because some museums might have an autism, like a low sensory Saturday afternoon, but it's only offered once a month and it might not be when you're there. So there is, you can't just take my book as gospel. You do have to do your own due diligence and make sure that what's out there is right for your child.
0: So if families visit a certified autism center, Broadly speaking, what can they expect from the level of vetting and deliberate structure and training that goes into that certification?
1: Uh, One of the main things is that the staff have been trained to be able to understand what the needs are of the population and cater to them. In many cases, there is a sensory map offered so that if you need a place to decompress, say in a theme park, you'll know where to go. Uh, In the case of certain locations, there might be low lighting or fewer crowds or an easier check-in service, Um, any of those things. And again, it's important to check and see exactly what is offered. In the case of a place like SeaWorld, you'll find that there is signage that'll tell you what you're going to smell after a certain point, because as we all know, that 91% of people on the spectrum have sensory sensitivities, and it's important to know where the triggers are gonna be, and how to deal with them. So having that kind of signage is really helpful.
0: Traveling Different is full of colorful, poignant travel stories told by parents and caregivers. Do you have any favorites?
1: yeah i love the story Uh, i mean most of the people who were interviewed for the book were very good in that they were admitting where the problems had happened and where they had learned from them and what they do differently now so one gentleman took his child to disneyland and realized that they don't serve it was either disneyland or disney world um realized they don't serve ice cream before 10 a.m and that was news to the child who wanted it at 9 a.m and went into a total meltdown because something had happened that he did not expect. And um, the father was very quick thinking on his feet, called his certified autism travel professional, uh, who was able to guide him to a part of the park where the child could decompress until ice cream again was available at 10 a.m. So I, I like that story uh, because it showed that they really relied on their travel professional who knew what to do. Uh, it also shows that you can never expect or uh, assume anything. You have to check everything in advance. I I like the story of the woman who travels with a a blow-up pool because she's never sure if her hotel room is gonna have a bathtub and that's the only way her children can bathe. So if she's stuck with a shower, she can adapt it. I like the story of the mom who, you know, when she wasn't sure how her child was gonna react to sand, went and got a tarp and some sand from a craft store and was able to have the child experience walking on sand in their own home. So things like that, I think, are really helpful because it shows how important the advanced planning is.
0: Right, and parents might not know either, right, until they try out a few and discover what works, largely through trial and error.
1: Yeah, it's that's why it's so important to plan everything out in advance. Think it out from the moment you leave the house to the moment you come back. Where are the triggers going to be? Where can I make it easier? And where should I create backup plans? And the answer is everywhere should you create backup plans. And that's why with every issue in the book, I I try to offer a number of solutions as opposed to just one. One's going to work for your kid. I just don't know which one it is.
0: Let's talk for a minute about air travel. Chances are that in the U.S., many children have the chance to travel various distances by car, But planes are another story. There are all the sensory changes, the loud noises, the cabin pressure and so on, compounded by the fact that there's really no convenient way to leave early or hit the pause button on the whole experience.
1: Well, hopefully your child is one of the children who absolutely loves airplanes because that's going to help you a lot they're going to be that's going to be the highlight of their trip but assuming that they they don't love airplanes um, i think it would be important to preview the experience either by watching well first by watching videos maybe by reading picture books with the child's favorite character in a travel situation such as flying Uh, and then looking into whether you can get a tour of the airport in advance by your airline or whether wings for autism is offered in your local area that will give you a dress rehearsal from arrival through boarding, of what to expect uh, on the flight. There are also um, there are also airports that have sensory rooms. I just did an article for that from my um, from my blog travelingdifferent.com, which updates and supplements the book. Um, and there are also you know, somebody told me, and I want to do a story on this flight simulators where you can actually, they're set up for people who are scared, frightened of flying, but they could also work for children on the spectrum. And I want to do a piece on that, but they're the wings on autism or the tours are going to get you that much closer. I would also advise before you take a very long flight to maybe take a short one. You know, if you take a, If you're in New York and you take a quick hop to Boston, which is one hour, that's good. And then drive back. That's going to be a lot easier than, you know, finding out on the way to, you know, LA that this is not something your child knows how to do very well.
0: So however one chooses to travel, safety is bound to be a concern. And you're sure to bring this up in your book. Could you share a few pointers that you found
1: helpful? Yeah, such an important part um, of the book. Thank you for bringing that up. I I love the suggestion of sewing a GPS into ch- your child's clothing. I, I don't think you could over-prepare enough. Make sure that your name and address are in their pockets, or not even their your address, your phone number where you can be reached. Uh, also, write your name and your phone number on their arm and cover it with liquid bandage so it doesn't get erased in case there is um, rain or in case there's sweat. And uh, also take a picture of the child or children every morning in the clothing that they're wearing that day so that if they do slip away, you're able to more easily identify them. Uh, It's always a great idea to keep your stroller with you wherever you can and keep the child strapped in if they're of an age and a size that that will work Uh, or a tether, because I don't think you can be too careful.
0: We focused on strategies for overcoming obstacles and preparing. But as we end our time together, let's zoom out to the bigger picture. And I wonder what do you hope for people to experience by traveling
1: wherever they might be on the neurodiversity spectrum? I think it's just, I mean, I was traveling from age two. My parents owned a big travel agency. And so I was opened up to the world by age two. And I I can't think of an education that's better for anyone than being on the road because you see that people are living lives different than yours and that's okay. You know, everybody has their own way of living and I think that that's why... um, I I think you could eliminate a lot of discrimination and bias in this world if people were spending more time traveling and understanding that their way is not the only way. Uh, And as important as I think it is to make a child a global citizen, if you can, I think it's equally important for the world to be exposed to what autism and other invisible needs look like, um, invisible disabilities look like, so that they know how to react and they see that those are people too and worthy of respect and understanding.
0: And if listeners would like more on travel, how can they get your book for even more resources?
1: okay so if you go to travelingdifferent.com i have lots of links to where you can order the book you can go to my publisher who's roman and littlefield you can go to amazon barnes and noble all the major booksellers all the independent bookstores around the country will have the book in on their website if not in their store uh so you can order it online and if you go into a bookstore they can certainly order it for you uh but also go to your local library and ask them to order it because if someone can't afford it, it's nice that they'll be able to have access to it.
0: A great reminder to use our wonderful public libraries. Don Barkley, I want to thank you for sharing so many valuable resources. I've learned a lot from you and your book, and I know listeners to the podcast will too.
1: I hope so. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it.
0: My guest on today's episode has been author Don M. Barkley, whose new book is Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse"? You've been listening to the Autism Annex Podcast, developed by Star Autism Support. I'm John Andrew Slominski. A quick reminder and a request. If you like what you hear and haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so. It helps others to find us and to be part of the conversation. Speaking of the conversation, do you or someone you know have a story or topic that you'd like to be covered on a future podcast episode? Send us an email at podcast at star We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, take good care of yourself and one another.